Naso. So this morning we'll continue in the meditative cultivation or unveiling, discovery of equanimity, specifically it's called in Tibetan or Tanyom Seme, Seme Tanyom, Tse means like a measure, like five yards or three minutes, something you can measure. It has clear border, delineation, yeah? Set me means no border, no measure, just wide open. Equanimity, so you know what it means. Of course, it means different things in different contexts, uh, but without going into kind of a kind of a scholarly exposition of different meanings of this term upeksha, right now we know that it means this even-mindedness, even-heartedness, yeah? But it's good to bear in mind as we cultivate it, uh, that is, in the back of the mind, what is the near enemy or the false facsimile of this sublime virtue? And that is simply an aloof indifference that is very equal to everyone, equally really not caring about anyone out there. You know, every man for himself, every woman for yourself. You know, I don't have any attachment for you, no aversion for you, I really don't care one way or another. And so there it is, you know, that's aloof indifference. So this is why in the uh, approach we're taking here, we're going to infuse this practice with Donglen. So then that, just by doing that, then you, there's just no room for aloof indifference. As we're sending with every out-breath, the light of loving-kindness with every in-breath, we're arousing compassion. Now, we've done this before, at least I have, uh, using the practice of settling the mind its natural state as kind of a platform or launching pad for engaging in this practice, Donglen. And I find it very mm, engaging. It really resonates with me. I like it a lot. Uh, so I've got a very simple question for you. Then. And that is when we're simply resting our awareness, our minds at its natural state, attending to the space of the mind, and appearances of people may arise, of course, right? Appearances, they may be quite lifelike. We can hear their voices, we can, we can even imagine their touch, and we can remember, we can have mental images of tactile sensation, giving people a hug and so forth. Uh, their visual forms, of course, sounds of their voice. So these images can arise of their various people in the space of the mind. And then, when we're engaging, when we're like right now, we're looking around here in this room, we see many other people, and these appearances, and all of the appearances, if, if Doug should speak with me right now, I would hear the sound of his voice, where? Where's that? Where's the sound of Doug's voice arising when I'm listening to him? Nowhere else than the space of my awareness, because I can't leap outside that and get his real voice. All appearances that I have, if he's wearing, if he's wearing aftershave and I smell his aftershave, that smell, that I, the, the fragrance, is in the space of my awareness, not outside. So, in other words, everything that I know about Doug is arising in the space of my awareness, right? I mean, I just have no access to Doug apart from that. We've been through that before. So now here's a simple question. So I'll just take Doug as an example. I could be sitting quietly and at appearance, it could be multivalence, it could be the sound of his voice, his facial expression, and so forth. Um, the appearances of Doug may arise as I'm simply quiet, sitting quietly with my eyes vacant. Appearances arise, could be quite lifelike. I could remember some conversation that he and I had. So there's that. And then I, re I tend to him right now, and I'm, I'm looking at him, and all the appearances arising in the space of my awareness. What's the difference between those two experiences? What's the most, there are many different, many appearances, many differences, but what's the most important one? 
be bold. What's that? I'm immediately seeing. That is, this, this is a good point. When I'm observing, I'm speaking straight, Kandasa, Buddhist epistemology. When I'm observing the space of my mind and I'm seeing appearances of Doug, I hear the sound of Doug's voice in my mind, I'm directly perceiving them. Those appearances, I'm directly perceiving. Now, I may remember a conversation that Doug and I had a week ago. That's using conceptualization. That's, that's, that's a conceptualization. I know that by way of conceptual mind. But the appearances arising right now in my mind, I'm directly perceiving them, okay, the appearances. And when I gaze at Doug right now, looking at him with my visual perception, but of course I'm also paying attention to him, then therefore with my mental awareness. So again, that piggyback visual perception and mental awareness, looking at Doug, then all these appearances, again, I'm directly perceiving in the space of my awareness. So both are directly perceiving. So now what's the major difference, the most important difference between these two experiences? We're attending to a human being. That's true. What does that mean? That is, when I'm simply attending, when I'm settling my mind in its natural state and appearance is coming up, those appearances are a human being? No. They're not. When I'm attending to um, Doug right here, and I'm, and I'm attending to appearances. Those appearances are a human being? I, I chose my words very carefully. I'll say it again. So I'll say it just it. As I'm attending right now, and I'm attending with my visual and mental awareness to the appearances of Doug's facial expression and so forth, those appearances, that's a human being? No, it's not. So what's the difference? I, I'm, I have a Cloudy on the hook here. I have to reel him in. <laughs> He's a big Italian fish. <laughs> going to be very tasty. <laughs> so what's the difference, Claudio? You know it. You just have to say it. What's the difference? Yeah, but when, but how, but mm, where's the human being? That is, all I'm getting are appearances in the space of my mind. So how am I attending to a human being? Because I'm attending and I'm getting appearances, appearances, and they're all rising in the space of my awareness. So how am I attending to a human being? What's the difference? Well, well, there is a human being, but watching. Watching? Mm, me. me. <laughs> how did you get in the picture? You are, you're not in the picture. It's just stuck at me. <laughs> so you're saying that when I'm just attending to the appearances of Doug in the space of my mind, there's no human being there. Whereas when I'm attending to Doug right now, the appearances are rising again in the space of my awareness. There is a human being. Is that right? That is, where Doug is, there is a human being. Is that correct? Yes. Whereas when I'm just attending in the space of my mind while settling the mind, where the appearances are, there's no human being. Name Doug. There isn't. So that's the difference? That is, when I'm attending in the space of my mind, there's no human being there. Whereas when I'm attending to Doug here in the room, there is a human being there. Is that right? Yes. Yes? Yes. Didn't say that, but you didn't say that with much confidence. <laughs> <laughs> you know the debating. I mean, I was yeah. trained. The, you, know, you know how I say it in debate. In debate. Yes. <laughs> then if you're wrong, you're flamboyantly, completely, catastrophically wrong. You don't kind of say, yes. <laughs> I can win either way here. I did say question mark yes. Yeah. <laughs> so how about this? Is this correct? And that is when I'm attending to the space of my mind and appearance of Doug arises. I'm attending to that appearance. Nobody's looking back. If I'm dreaming, 
an, appear, an, an appearance of Doug appears in my dream. I'm attending to that appearance, but nobody's looking back. When I'm attending to Doug here in the room, all I'm seeing are appearances of his form, maybe his voice, and so forth, but there is someone gazing back. Is that correct? You're very confident. <laughs> and so there is someone, unlike in the dream, and unlike when I'm just attending to the space of my mind, when I'm attending to Doug here, there's actually someone gazing back from his own side. So Doug, so Doug does exist from his own side. Isn't that interesting? Of course, I trapped him completely, and I've just reeled him in. He's in my bag. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to think, we'll have part of him for dinner, we'll have leftovers for fish. <laughs> Isn't it interesting, though? Because that was not a trivial answer. That Claudia is a smart guy. That's not a trivial answer. But isn't that the difference? Doug is a sentient being, right? Doug, when you looked inside there, did you find yourself? <laughs> he just refuted Claudio. You mean there's nobody looking back? When you're gazing at me right now, there's no looking back? He silently nods like a Buddha in noble silence. <laughs> <laughs> so there's nobody looking back from where you are? There is. There is? What does he look like? A mental appearance, though, but I have mental. I don't need you for a mental appearance. I got, I got them on my own. Who needs you? I can dream of you. I can think of you. I don't need you. So, what is this? It's gazing back. It's something gazing right into your eyes right now, and I now even get to hear your voice. A subject. A subject. Like calculus or mathematics, or what kind of a subject? Perceiving subject. But that doesn't tell me much. What is it that's gazing back? Describe it, apart from just giving more nouns. What's that actually feel like? What did you see when you look for the subject who's gazing back? Uh, appearances that uh, are empty of self-nature. I've got that all by myself. I don't need you for that. <laughs> when I'm, you know, settling in minus natural state dreams, I have appearances that are empty of self-nature. So I think you've just reduced yourself to a figment of my imagination. <laughs> I'm a figment of my imagination. <laughs> <laughs> who is the one who owns the imagination of which you are a figment? Because you just said you're a figment of my imagination. That sounds like there's two of you. <laughs> I am a figment as a conceptual designation. Of whom? He doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> Who am I? Impossible to say. That's very profound. <laughs> this is very profound. It is very profound. We're going right to the, we're now cooking in the same cauldron. All these different ingredients of what we're doing here. Right? Does he exist from his own side? Now Majamaka. Now this is, the, this is the afternoon meditation. This is where we are. We're bringing equanimity into Vipassana territory. Because we're not going from one territory to another. We're now in Vipassana territory all day long. Yeah. Is Doug there? Sure. 
Sure he is. Doug's not over here. He's over there. If you say, where's Doug? Where's Doug? Is he in the room? I didn't see him today. Oh, oh, there he is. That's correct. We're not refuting that any more than we're refuting atoms. You remember atoms? We're not refuting Doug either. He's there. He's right there. Does he exist prior to an independent of conceptual designation? Over there. Is there even an over there? That's the bottom line. Prior to an independent of conceptual designation, does the word over there mean anything at all? And if it doesn't, don't put anything in that box, because it's a box that has no referent over there. Again, where's that border between over there and over here? Where's the border? In my eyelids? In my nose? Where's the border between over there and over here? When we say, does Doug really exist over there? That means I really exist over here, but then I should be findable. And if Doug is really over there, then he should be findable. So, very interesting. If you want to develop very deep, immeasurable equanimity, then realize the emptiness of all beings. Because in that regard, we are all equally, absolutely equally, empty. From the most evil being who's ever lived in history, to the fully awakened ones, Buddha Shakyamuni, equally empty. <coughs> equally empty. There is just no difference whatsoever. Equally empty. Not to be found from their own side. That is a great equality. That's an immeasurable equality, right? So I've often spoken, I don't even know where I heard it, but I like it, so I just keep on using the convention, the, the term that each of us is in the center of a mandala. You know, it's kind of useful. Just, that's all, just useful. Not that it's some big truth, but it is useful, I find. I look in all directions and, yep, I'm here, I'm right in the middle. And I'm viewing everybody from my perspective, and everybody's arising, everybody that I perceive, remember, imagine, all arising to my awareness, painted with my palette of colors, you know? So I'm definitely in the center. As they say, rang nang, rang nang re, rang nang re. All phenomena are your own appearances. Rang nang, own appearances. They're your own appearances. Right? Well, I can't, how can I read that except for I'm in the center of my mandala? As of course, so we just don't even get close to the falling over the ledge of solipsism. Of course, Dekila is also in the center of her mandala, and so is Suzanne, and so is Morgan, and so is Domala, and so forth. Everybody in the center of the mandala. But here's the catch, and this is why I brought it up this morning. The center of the mandala is empty. Emaho. <laughs> you look for the center of the mandala, and it's empty. But if the center is empty, then so is the periphery. If the inside is empty, so is the outside. What a relief. So let's practice. Namo Laman Deshe Dupe Ku Kunjo Sungi Ranjin La Datan Dodu Semchenam Chanju Badu Kapsu Chi
Namo. In the Lama, who is the embodiment of the Sugatas, of the nature of the Three Jewels, I, together with the beings of the Six Realms, take refuge until our enlightenment. For the sake of all beings, I generate the spirit of awakening and cultivate the realization of the Lama as Buddha. By means of enlightened activity, I shall train each being according to their needs, and I vow to liberate the world. Yamsen shoki modunye pema june shesuta kodu kando mambo ko keki jesu datu ki jinge lapche shiksu su guru pema sidi hum. In the northwest frontier of Odiana, in the heart of a lotus, sits the one renowned as Padmasambhava, who achieved the wondrous supreme city, and is surrounded by a host of many dakinis. Following in your footsteps, I devote myself to practice. Please come forth and bestow your blessings. Guru Take the four empowerments and dissolve the Guru into yourself. Sustaining the sense of the indivisibility of your own mind, 
with the pristine awareness of the Guru. If you would like to switch positions, please do so now. more deeply you settle your body in its natural state, finally balance between relaxation and vigilance, sustained with stillness, the more deeply you'll be able to settle your respiration in its natural rhythm, unforced, unconstrained. and thereby settle the voice of your mind, the internal commentary, in its natural state of effortless silence. And the more the internal voice of the mind is settled in its natural state, the more deeply you will be able to rest your mind in its own dynamic equilibrium of stillness, and of relaxation, of ease and clarity. Sustained with the stillness that emerges with the release of all grasping, Settle your body, speech, and mind in the natural state. For just a short while, rest there with no object, with no grasping, simply sustaining this flow of present, centered awareness without distraction and without grasping.
and direct the light of your awareness to the space of the mind with your eyes open, gaze vacant. And observe whatever thoughts or images, whatever appearances, arise in this three-dimensional transparent space. Empty, but pervaded by the light of your own awareness so that whatever arises there is immediately made manifest or illuminated by the light of your awareness. like fireflies that light up in the sky and then vanish. Observe the comings and goings of the mind. While simultaneously being aware of the stillness of your own awareness.
we have a choice whether to attend to the mere appearances that are arising in the space of our own minds and see them for what they are, mere appearances, empty of anything else. That's one choice. And the other choice is to attend to sentient beings who are just as real, no more and no less than we are. And as we attend to ourselves by way of appearances that, that are not us, but we still may indeed attend to ourselves, so may we attend to others by way of appearances that are not them, but we may still attend to others. And we know with certainty how deeply we care about our own well-being, our wish to be free of suffering, our wish to find happiness. And so is this true for everyone else, equally. So I invite you now to make the choice to continue attending to the space of the mind without directing it or controlling it. And from moment to moment simply see who comes to mind. And instead of attending to the mere appearances, which are formations of the space of your own mind, by way of the appearances, Attend to the person or the persons. See who comes knocking at your door. Whoever appears, whoever comes to mind. Attend to the person. Or the assembly of persons. Attend closely until they are as real as you. Their hopes and fears as real as yours, their joys and sorrows as real as yours. Hold them in mind, hold them in heart, for as long as you wish, and as you bear them in mind, breathe out the light of loving-kindness from your heart. Breathe in with compassion, drawing in and extinguishing the darkness of other sufferings and their causes.
Release all appearances, let your awareness rest. So really? (laughs) Impossible to say. That's a big statement. That means in the realm of possibility, nowhere. It's really impossible to say who conceptually designates you a Doug. Is that impossible to say? No, I can say that. Oh, oh. (laughs) what was impossible to say? Then maybe I misunderstood. <laughs> I have that effect on people. <laughs> Who designates you? I do. How can you designate yourself? Which came first, the chicken or the egg? The designator or the designated? That's impossible to say. <laughs> impossible to say. That's that is a statement that can be made authentically if you're omniscient. Right? If you know this statement, no one in the three times has ever said it, will say it, or is saying it now. (laughs) Doug has spoken. (laughs) He's not lacking in divine pride anyway. (laughs) Can awareness be aware of itself? How is it possible if a, if a knife can't cut itself and a candle can't illuminate itself, how can awareness be aware of itself? Shantideva. Uh, <coughs> awareness is awareness of itself because it is uh, both illuminating and knowing. You just told me something I already know. That, you know those, are, those are the defining characteristics of consciousness. But how can one thing illuminate itself? It doesn't have to. It's already illuminating. So this is Deva. He's refuting the notion that awareness is aware of itself. So how do you refute Deva or respond? Because he said, a light doesn't illuminate itself, a knife doesn't cut itself, awareness is not aware of itself. So how is awareness aware of itself? How is awareness aware of itself? Impossible to say. Impossible for me to say. (laughs) And I'll just add that right now, but wait ten seconds. (laughs) You know the answer, but you know the answer. You've had a lot of very good training. Claudia, help him out. How can awareness be aware of itself? You know the answer too. 
Say again? <laughs> That's not what I was hoping for. <laughs> then, therefore, this, this bag is aware of itself because it's empty. <laughs> no, it's not. You have, a better, you have a better answer than that. I want to fish that one out, and I want to pull that better answer out. It's there. Pull. What's a better answer than that? That's not a good enough answer. Everything's empty. That doesn't mean everything's aware of itself. Awareness. Well, sure, that doesn't help me either. Everything's a conceptual designation. <laughs> and um, monarch, butterf- mo- monarch butterflies are orange. <laughs> I just said one more thing that's irrelevant. <laughs> now, you know the answer. I, I, I just need to pull it out. How can awareness be aware of itself? We've been doing that. Awareness of awareness. I mean, we've been doing it for weeks now. How is it possible? Or were you deluding yourself the whole time? It's just hidden. You know the answer, but it's hidden, just on a very thin crust. I am aware of I didn't ask about you, I just asked about awareness. Yes. How is awareness, how can you be aware of awareness? Have you ever been aware of awareness? Have you ever been aware of being aware? Yes. Okay, you, okay. <laughs> how is that possible? Then, aware, then since you have no awareness apart from your awareness, then awareness must have been aware of being aware, correct? Yes. So how did that occur? Because there is knowing. Yeah, that's true. There are also monarch butterflies, but that doesn't help. Uh-huh. Who's going to come to Claudia's rescue? Yes, Darren. Uh, you're aware of a prior moment of recognition? Yeah, well, uh, yeah, yes. And I'll just rephrase that tiny, a tiny bit. Subsequent moment of, of awareness is aware of the immediately preceding moment of awareness. It's very short-term working memory, right? Yeah, that's easy. Now, Doug, I gave you a great big hint. How do you conceptualize, how, how do you conceptually designate yourself? Who designates whom? Can you designate yourself? Yes or no is better. Can you designate yourself? No. No. Who designates you, if not yourself? If you're sitting all by yourself in a room, who designates you? Or don't you exist when you're sitting in a a room by yourself? (laughs) And you're just sitting there, just, just sitting there all by yourself. You've done that before, I think, like an hour ago? Who's designating you then? The conceptually designating mind. I said who, not what. Uh, there is no who. There is. Oh, you, Doug doesn't exist. Only Doug's mind exists. <laughs> so you really don't exist at all. You're like a rabbit's horn. Jeopardy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm not going to answer that question. Have a nice day.